Today we're going to be uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 18, so if you want to turn to that and be ready for that. Um, but while you're doing that, I need to, need to tell you something. I need to give you some full disclosure. I cleaned out my closet yesterday. Now I know what you're thinking, Barb. You're thinking, oh great, when you get... Let's just see how great Pastor Mark is because he cleaned out his closet. No, no, no. This is an indictment. It's been about three years. And I, there are clothes in there that I have not worn in three years. Why do I keep them? Why do I hang on to them when someone else can use them? I'm ashamed of myself. So we went to the closet, pitched a bunch. And then Barb said, what about that box up there? Boxes up there. I'm a hoarder. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark. I'm a hoarder. I, I, I keep everything. Stuff I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so we were going through all the stuff in this box. Mementos. Plaques. You know, uh, every fun run I did, you know, you give you a little medal and you keep the, the number that you ran with. Why? I mean, I, I don't know why I kept all that. It's just been overwhelming me and it's become a huge pile. And I tell you, it's so freeing to throw this stuff away. I mean, it's, oh, it's awesome. And um, I'm getting better at it because my wife is a pitcher and I'm a hoarder, so... You know, just like financial peace. You know, there's a spender and a saver. I'm not a saver of money, but I'm a saver of everything else. So, this is what Barb has had to deal with for 36 years. Anyway, so, why am I telling you all that? We'll get to that in a minute. So, this week in our reading, if if this is your first time here, the church reads the Bible together on a daily basis. And we're, gonna, we're going through the Bible. We hope to be done in five years. And we're on track. We're, in, we're finishing up year four. And next year we're going to go into the minor prophets and uh, the smaller epistles in the New Testament. And then we'll be done. We'll have read through the Bible together as a, as a church body. And that's amazing. So this week we read chapters Matthew 18 through 21. Okay, so um, I want you to see what that looks like on a map. Okay, so here's my handy-dandy map. Where we were in chapter 17 last week, we were at Caesarea Philippi. Why do we know that? Because it said in the, this is where Peter makes the announcement. Okay, Jesus says, you know, who do people say that I am? And they say, oh, you're Elijah or somebody, blah, blah, blah. Well, who do you say they am? And then Peter pipes up. You're the Messiah. You're the, you're the Son of God. And Jesus said, you got it. That's right. And you didn't get, figure this out. My Father in Heaven gave that to you. And this one of the two times Jesus in the book of Matthew talks about the church. Talk about the church universal. On this statement, I will build my church. And he's in Caesarea Philippi. And then in chapter 18 and 17, we see him get transfigured. They go up into a, says, high mountain, and he is transfigured. 
And then Peter kind of blunders and basically God tells him, shut up, listen to my son. My translation. Okay? And so everybody's like, where was it? Well, there are two mounts up here. Up here is um, Mount Hermon and over here is another mount right up here. It's been named different things right now. It's currently being um, named um, Mount Marin. Okay? I... My own personal, no one knows where it was happened, but since it's a high mountain, Mount Marin is much higher than Mount Hermon. It's about 3,000 feet as opposed to 1,500 feet. And I'm partial to higher mountains because we're at 10,000 over here, right? So anyway, um, and the, the reason why I like that better here because it's kind of on the way back to Capernaum. You would have to go back up. And this sort of seems like Jesus is going this way. Then he ends up in Capernaum. And he does um, a lot of, a, a bunch of parables. He does a lot of talking. In chapter 18, if you've got a red letter Bible, it's all red. <laughs> Very little of it's not. And so it's just Jesus talking, giving parables, giving stories, talking about stuff. And we're going to talk about that today. And then in chapter 19, he starts heading down. Okay? And he ends up being over here on the other side of the river. And this is where, in chapter 19, Jesus gets tested by the Pharisees. Okay? It was like, they ask him about divorce. Okay? That's what they ask him. Why is that testing him? If you remember, John the Baptist was baptizing. This is about where John the Baptist was baptizing. And what got John the Baptist beheaded is because he told, he said, it was not right for King Herod to have married his brother's wife. And so, the Pharisees trying to be tricky. Well, talk about divorce, Jesus, so that maybe he would get arrested and beheaded. They're, they're trying to get him killed. Okay? Of course, Jesus cuts him to the quick, says breaks out the schedule, the the scriptures, and says, haven't you read? Which would make any rabbi, what do you mean? Of course I've read. I've read everything. But anyway, um, so he's on his way. He's told us this week that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He says, this is where we're headed. And he went around Samaria like any good Jew would do and end up over here. And then he's we have him in chapter 20 over here. In Jericho. Okay? Because he's, he's heading to... He's told everybody, Hey, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to get killed. I'll rise in three days. Everybody's like, eh, okay. Like, nobody gets it. But Jesus is all about full disclosure. But, so that's where we are. This is what Jesus' ministry started here in our reading. And he is right there. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And next week, we'll start in the triumphal entry as Jesus comes in too. So that's where we're at. You guys been keeping up? You guys been reading? Excellent. I'm proud of all of you that do. And those of you who don't, shame on you. Anyway, all right. So we're going to read something that Jesus said this week that I think, I think it's going to offend you. If it doesn't offend you, shame on you. You need to be offended by this. 
what Jesus says. So we're going to read this passage today, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. And what time we got? Ah, we got plenty of time. So let's do this. Here we go. We're starting in Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. Got your Bible? You ready? Or read the screen? We got a screen again? Thank you. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or... When he sins against me, up to seven times, question mark? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Seven, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's masters took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Are you afraid? I think you should be. I really do. First, let's talk a little bit about Peter's discussion with Jesus. Peter starts to, should I forgive my brother who sins against me seven times? At this point, Peter is being magnanimous. I mean, he thinks this is, this, this is a big deal. Seven times. During, during this time, the rabbinic code, and we, we have a bunch of rabbinic writing here, but during this time, the idea was you forgive somebody three times. Fourth time, you're done. So Peter going, well, well we can do more than three. How about seven times? In Jesus' view, is 77 times. Or, you've heard 70 times seven. In the Greek, it looks like it could be either one, either 70 times 7 or 77 times. But that's not the point. The point is, Jesus is talking in hyperbole here. You need to keep forgiving. Can you imagine trying to keep track of people that sin against you all the way up to 77 times? Really? Oh, he's telling them in hyperbole. Jesus talks a lot of times in hyperbole. Okay? He's talking that he's making a point. You know, earlier in our reading this week, we talked about if your hand causes you to sin, Jesus said, cut it off. 
He's not talking to you about cutting it off. He's talking to you about how important you should see sin in your life and get rid of it. He's he's talking about the gravity of the situation. And in the same way, you having the right or the ability to forgive another person who has sinned against you, I mean, rightfully so, you should forgive. 77 times. Or however the number is. It's a huge amount. Okay? All right. So, then he goes into this parable. He launches right into it and talks about the importance of forgiveness. And one of the things that, the way Jesus said it, it's very similar to Genesis chapter 4, verse 23. Remember this story about Cain and Abel, right? Cain kills Abel God marks him. He says, oh, now people are going to come kill me. He says, no. If they kid you, if they kill you, then you will, they'll receive seven times the punishment. And then later on, as we're going through the different um, sons and grandsons and great-great-grandsons of um, Adam, you get this guy by Lamech. Okay? And in verse 23, it says, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. That is the exact same language which Jesus is speaking here when he talks to Peter. He's, he's speaking... You need to forgive, is what he's saying. You need to forgive. And so Peter's thinking, uh, okay, I need to forgive. How important is this forgiveness? And that's when Jesus launches into the parable and talks about this servant. The servant of the king. The king is making, checking the books and trying to see who owes what, clear everything out, and he finds a guy, a servant of his, that owes him huge amount of money. It says 10,000 talents. Okay? That is a huge amount. If we look at it just on a denarii is one day worth of labor. It's, it was a silver coin. It's one day's worth of work. Jesus refers to it in one of the other parables about giving a guy a denarii for working in his vineyard. Okay? So... He gets into talents. Okay, so this servant basically owes the king about 20 years worth of work. If we take it with precious metals and stuff, we're talking about a billion dollars in today's economy. Days, a, a, a billion dollars. So, it doesn't matter if he gets his, his family, his wife, and they all get, have to be in debtor's prison to do it because they'll never pay it off. Even the guy says, hey, just give me time. I'll, I'll pay it off. You'll never pay it off. So the king is faced. Do I just chalk this up as a bad investment and forgive him 
just let it go? It says because he has pity on him, he has compassion on him, he has mercy on him, he forgives the debt. I mean, oh, I lost a billion dollars. Okay, we're done. And so, Jesus is showing the example. So, he's free. I mean, he's literally free. This overwhelming debt that has been hanging on him all this time, it's never going to get paid off. He's free. You think he'd be rejoicing. But he doesn't. He sees a guy that owes him a hundred bucks. That's a significant amount for anybody, but it's a hundred bucks. You've just been given a billion. Free. You're, just, boom, you're done. You're clear. Your debt has been canceled. Hey, cough up some cash, dude. He starts choking him, and he says the exact same thing that he had said to the king. Give me time. Give me patience. I'll pay you back. I said, no. No. You're going in until you pay that off. Ridiculous, right? This is a ridiculous story. Who would do that after you've just been freed? And it gets back to the king. In the, in the Greek, the other servants that tell the king, it says they tell him everything. Every little bit. It wasn't just hearsay. They told the whole thing. And so, the original servant that was forgiven billion dollars with no hopes of paying it back into prison till he could pay, which means he never which means he'll be in prison forever. And not just prison, it says torture. He's going to be tortured. That should scare you. Because Jesus, one line, says same like my heavenly father who that if you can't forgive he will not forgive you i want to talk about three keys here number 1 jesus sees no incongruity in the actions of a heavenly father who forgives so bountifully and punishes so ruthlessly There's no congruity. Jesus doesn't see a problem in that. Neither should we. We have a God who is full of compassion and mercy and love. He is known by his love. But he's also the judge. Okay? He will make everything right. His wrath is going to come. Jesus is okay with it. We should be okay with it too. Number two. It is precisely because he is a God of such compassion and mercy that he cannot possibly accept as his own people those who are devoid of compassion and mercy. It's because he is so overwhelmingly compassionate and merciful that those that call themselves his children should be the same. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see how important that is? And three, 
This is not to say that the king's compassion can be earned. Far from it. The servant is granted freedom only by the virtue of the king's forgiveness in the story. The servant says, oh, I'll pay it back. The king says, you know what? Let's just call it even. We're done. The servant didn't earn it because of his cries for help. It was through the king's compassion. And in the same way, our heavenly father has compassion. In fact, he has such compassion that we celebrate the advent of his son coming and being Emmanuel, being God with us. And at this point in our reading in Matthew, Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. He knows he is going to be the sacrificial lamb. He's the one who's going to pay the debt for everybody. Now, pragmatically, I've been doing a lot of thinking about this. On the average, I probably sin three times a day. Some days more, some days less. But on the average, about three. And you think about, I'm of a certain age. And I have lived a long time. Each one of those sins, any of them, separates me from God. Just one. And we're talking about tens of thousands of sins. This guy, on me, committed me. And so... The king, the heavenly fathers, said this. I'm paying your debt for you. It's canceled. Why in the world would I just choose to pick up something minor? I mean, compared to all this. Why would I choose to pick up and say, no, I will not forgive you. Whoever it is. Whoever it is. If I do, then I'm not acting like Jesus. If I do, I'm acting like the servant who is called wicked. Now, what does that look like? Big things, small things, it doesn't matter. We are to forgive Listen, half the stuff that I deal with in my office, meeting with people, is because of unforgiveness. If you cannot forgive, your eternal destiny is in peril. That's how important it is. So you need to examine yourself. You need to find out who have you not forgiven and get it done. Well, they don't deserve it, Pastor Mark. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter about deserving or not deserving. Oh, you just don't understand. I do understand. I absolutely do understand. 
Listen, I want to share eternity with my brothers and sisters. There's a few things in the Christian life that are essential. You need to make sure that you know that Jesus is the only way. And Jesus is the one that you accept as your personal Savior. That's essential. You start thinking about somebody else, and they're, they're the one that we should praise and worship. No, 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 no. You're in jeopardy of not making it to heaven. Jesus Christ is essential for a Christian. But according to this, your being able to forgive somebody is essential. And we don't put it, we don't make it that much of a big deal. Uh, well, you know, there's this guy, he hurt me 20 years ago, and I'm still blah, 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 blah resentment, blah, 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 blah. Stop! Let it go. Why? Because they deserve it? No. But because Jesus died for you, and he paid a huge debt. He canceled it for you. He canceled all of it. Don't be that jerk who hangs on to it. And I'm telling you if, you, if you're still having problems with forgiveness for anything or anyone, you are that jerk. And if I've offended you, forgive me. Hey, you need to forgive me. Hey, do it. <laughs> but that's how important it is. Listen, the most important thing in the marital relationship is Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a marriage killer. Unforgiveness is a marriage killer. Why is that so important? Because if you're married and you are so close to that person, listen, no one can cut me to the quick, quicker than my wife. Because she's seen it all. She's seen it all. She hurts me three or four times a week. I mean, she hurts my feelings. She busts my chops. How dare her? I deserve better. Really? That's why I forgive. Because she deserves it? Maybe. But that's not the point. The point is, I forgive her. Because Christ forgave me. See, if you remember what you've been forgiven, it doesn't matter what they did. It, I mean, it really doesn't matter. I know for you, if you have some problems, you have some people that you haven't been able to forgive, you're still holding a grudge. Oh, I get it. True story. There was a guy years ago, um, my, just in my drug days, I, I had a guy, and he fell in hard times, so I said, you come stay at our house. And he stayed at our house forever. I finally had to kick him out. But he literally stole all the tools I had in the garage. And for years, I was bitter. I mean, sometimes they mention his name, I spit on the ground. Ah, he's a, he's a blankety blank, blank, blank. When I gave my heart to Jesus when I was all in God did that and he's like you know what you're still holding a grudge with what's his name 
I tracked him down, sent him an email, told him, I'm, you know, I've been holding this grudge. I forgive you, and I'm sorry that I did. He sent me a nice back. He apologized. It didn't matter. That stuff was long gone anyway. It doesn't matter. It didn't make restitution. But I purposely forgave him. It wasn't too much longer after we had just talked that I got a letter from his sister that he had died. I'm so grateful to God that I didn't hold on to it and I was able to forgive him before he died. Guys, you're carrying stuff around. Remember I talked about going through all of my boxes of stuff I just kept in there and stuffed it all in there. I'm never going to look at it again. I'm never going to wear any of those running medals again. What am, what am I doing with them? This is what you're doing when you are not forgiving. You're holding on to this stuff. You're holding on to it. And you're storing it away. And you're keeping it. There's no reason why you should keep it. There's no reason. You need to let it go. You need to grab it, throw in the trash. Because Jesus died for me. This is worthless. That's what your story is. I know there's many of you in this, in this room today that are dealing with unforgiveness. Stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. Today, you need to reach, you need to forgive. Can I tell you what the kind of blessing that is? Just like I opened up my closet and it was like so free. There's like, oh, there's not so much in there. It's just, oh, I can find stuff. And there was dust in there from years. Oh my gosh, we got that cleaned up. We had room. It's so freeing. I slept like a baby last night. So there are benefits. Don't hold those grudges. Don't be a person of unforgiveness. Let it go. And I know, many of you, you're thinking about that person right now. Do it. Forgive them. Of the major religions in the world today, Buddhism, Hinduism, um, Muslim faith, even Judaism, and to a certain extent, has nothing. They don't know. They don't know about forgiveness. There's no forgiveness in that. You know, in Hinduism, man, karma. Yeah. You do something now, you're going to become a mosquito next life or whatever. But we have these we have the ancient ancient civilizations people still remember their great 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 grandfather had a a fight with someone else's great 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 grandfather so I can kill you. I mean, what? One of the most disarming things about the Christian faith is the idea of loving one another and forgiveness. That's what separates us from everyone else. And if you're not loving and if you're not forgiving, you're no better than anybody else. That's how important. If I, if I hope I'm getting you fired up, because I want you to get fired up to action. 
Because we represent the king of the universe. And we need to start looking like it. I need to start looking like it. Got it? All right. Merry Christmas. Stand up. Let me pray over you. The elders are going to be up front after this. If you wish to bear your soul and pray about something, hey, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm really not. I know it's hard. But if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And you're a child of the king. Father God, we come before you. Thank you and praise you for your compassion and your mercy on us. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for canceling my debt. All I had to do was just accept your son and his, his payment. And I'm free. Thank you, Lord. Help me to be that same way. Help me to be free from this thing around my neck of unforgiveness. Help me to be a child of the king. Help me to be a forgiver. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.